Praise, praise God. All right. So last last week we talked uh, about communion and the the concept of this. Well, really, the past two weeks, the the concept of this collective corporate relationship with Jesus. And uh, we, we get stuck and we get hung up. This new identity that we have in Christ, this is anointed ones, is, is certainly an individual experience, but it's a corporate experience. And if we have that in mind and all across the rest of the New Testament, as we, as we, as we um, look at the Gospels, that you look at the epistles, you look at Revelation, there's always this corporate theme that's happening. Uh, when, when Paul, in fact, all, almost all of his epistles were written to entire congregations, you know, of a, of a region. It wasn't specifically speaking to the individual, um, but something as, a, as the whole. And he continues on. So we, we went through yes, uh, last week in, um, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when we talked about communion. And as we as we recall, the 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 concept of evaluating yourself during communion has less to do with our evaluating our relationship with Jesus as much as our relate uh, our relationship to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, when we when we approach communion from a non corporate non uh, with a uh, from a non corporate perspective, when a with a heart that's that's not towards not right not right and not towards our brothers and sisters, we actually bring judgment on ourselves. And Paul went as far as to even say that's why many are sick among you, uh, and 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 some have even fallen asleep, or he, which is what they, he's referring to. They've passed away. So there's, and the reason for that is because the body is designed to heal itself. Um, when the body is unified, so if we're thinking about our physical bodies, when our physical bodies are, is working properly, all of the pieces and the parts are working in concert with one another, everyone is doing their job, the body is healthy and it brings health to the body, the physical body. Well, so is it, it is with the spiritual body when everyone is doing their job with the gifts and the abilities and the talents and the callings that God has given us and we stay in our lane, right? And do our job of what God, and tr don't try to be something that we're not, trying to be somebody else. The eye can't be the ear and the ear can't be the foot and so on. When everybody's doing their job properly, the whole body of Christ is healthy. And when we're not doing the job, the body becomes sick. And, and I believe actually does manifest itself into physical sickness. All right. And we see that all the time when we're under enormous amounts of stress, when we're num when we're taking on more than we should, when we're not, you know, when we're ha nobody else, you know, we have to pick up the slack for other people. It wears on us physically, doesn't it? And and to the point where it can make you ill. Right. When we're living out of alignment. So it is with the body of Christ. When we're live when we're living in alignment with one another, there's a health and there's a vitality and there's a multiplication of our effectiveness. Yeah. Right. It's not just a one plus one equals two. It's a one plus one equals three or more. In fact, a, you know, a one will chase a thousand, two will chase ten thousand or put ten thousand to flight. That's a, t a tenfold multiplication. Right. 
So that's, it's, you know, God's economy and the way that he thinks about this is different from how we think about it. So the, the body of Christ is not the sum of its parts. The body of Christ, when everyone comes together and does their, their giftings and abilities and callings in concert with one another, we become so much greater than the sum of us. That's why a very small group can accomplish massive things in God, Amen. massive things in the spirit. Terrific things can be accomplished with a small group of people. It doesn't take multitudes to do great things for God. It takes a small group of people all doing what they were designed to do. And we don't try to become something that we're not. And everybody's picking up. They're carrying their own backpack, if you will, as we, we as Galatians talk. Or, yeah, Galatians talks about. So in any case, so I want to continue on in this, in this theme. Um, in fact, we're going to flip the chapter. So we were in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 last, last, last week. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, chapter 11. Um, but now we're going to chapter 12. And I'm, we're only today going to talk about the uh, verse. We're going to go through verse 1 down through verse 11. And, and this is a very famous portion of scripture of course we've taught on it i've taught on it personally many many times uh here at waylife but it 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 is important for us to go through it again from a slightly different perspective again keeping in context the whole point of our series here is we are god's anointed we are not i am Yes, of course, I am and you are and we're individuals, but we corporately are God's anointed. So God's anointed works together to perform the, the, the job that we're supposed to perform. And so, uh, and we see that if you go all the way back to our first teaching, seven teachings ago, right? This is our seventh one in the series. Uh, if we go all the way back to the, to the beginning of where this started, it was about the anointing oil. God gave a, a, a recipe for the anointing oil and with the instruction that this is a special oil. Anything that is anointed with this oil would be considered holy. And it was used. And he said, I want you to anoint the tabernacle that would house the presence of God among the people. Anoint the the altar anoint the basins anoint the utensils anoint everything about the, the thing right and even anoint the priests aaron and his sons the very first priests that would serve within it all of them are to be anointed but they all have a different purpose the basin is not the altar the altar is not the lamps right the lamps are not the servants, the priests serving. They all have this different purpose, but they're, and they're all holy. They're all to, uh, to contain the presence of God, but they all have their specific purpose. That's where we corporately come together, and it's also why it's really important that we all really make it a priority to gather together, to like make it a priority to come together with your brothers and sisters. Because when you're not a part of that, when you're not there, we've got something missing. We don't have the fullness of what God has, has put together. Uh, and we don't have the full expression of Jesus and all of the gifts present when you're not there. So, 
that's where it all came from. So translate this all the way to the New Testament. Now, of course, we're anointed by the Holy Spirit. We're in the family of God. Last time we talked, we talked about we're the body. In fact, I, I referenced uh, several times last week about chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it says the eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of thee and that sort of thing, right? And that we're this body of Christ. And Paul uses that that uh, illustration that you know uh, of the the physical body being like the spiritual body the body of christ and it's a it's a masterful one of course uh so so we we went through that but that let's keep that in mind as we continue on but we're gonna we're gonna go to the beginning of that chapter chapter 12 verse 1 and now we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts right so we've been talking about all this time that we all have abilities talents and gifts right so let's talk about a little bit about those spiritual gifts but i'm not going to be talking in depth about each of the nine spiritual gifts that are named here in first corinthians that's for another teaching we can go deep into all that i'm only going to hit that towards the end pretty briefly what i'm really interested in and what he says prior to that because it's the foundation in which we use the gifts. Okay, so so if we look at, and I'm going to go almost line by line in this, because there's a lot for us to, to look at. There's a lot for us to unpack here, as with all of the word, right? There's always more to it than what we see on the surface, amen? Because the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than double-edged sword. Even to divide soul, spirit, joints, and merit, judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, right? Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led away by mute idols. Okay, different translations are going to use slightly different words, but they all basically mean the same thing. All are good. So let's break this down for a second. Now, he just got done talking about the Lord's Supper. We talked about that, that at length last, last week, right? There was, and the big problem is they weren't, cons- they, they, they weren't together. They weren't in true communion during their, their gatherings and their, and their suppers, their Lord's Suppers together. So he's really correcting them in that. Now he's moving on and he's saying the same thing sort of applies here as we move into the spiritual gifts. There's a communion and a togetherness that needs to occur, okay? But he says this, so concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. So the gifts, first of all, it's important for us to know this. The word gifts there is actually not in the Greek. It was added, the word gifts was actually added by scholars for clarity. Now it's good, it's right in order to do so because contextually of the chapter, he is talking about the gift. So it's okay to do that. But um, it's more closely strand, translated into spiritual things or even spiritual people, right? Now concerning spiritual things. So it's not just specifically the nine spiritual gifts. It's about th- all the, th- the things of the spirit and how people operate within them. So he doesn't want these people to be unaware, which is also translated to ignorant, okay? And some translations actually use the word, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things, about spiritual people, the things of the spirit. So verse two then, he says, you know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led away by mute idols. 
when we approach the things of the spirit, so we come into the kingdom of God and we're anointed into this. We have this new identity in him. I wish it were just that easy. And we suddenly start living the perfect Christian life. But it, it's not like that, right? Why? Because we have a past. And with that past comes, came all kinds of experiences, thought processes, habits, right? Hurts, pains, all of that meshed up in there that influence how we look at God and how we look at how God thinks and how God works. And so the, 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 the Corinthian church was exactly like that. In fact, he said, he, you know, they, they had many, many idols in Corinth and, and they would do different practices. So when they got saved, a lot of their thought processes of the past translated into their thought processes about Jesus and this new life in Christ. So a lot of, and, and that was, by the way, part of the problem with the Lord's Supper, that they came together because that was just a free-for-all in some of the festivals where the, they, that they sacrificed or they, that they held for idols. They were doing the same thing in, in, concerning things of the Spirit now. It was sort of this free-for-all. And a lot of the, the things of the past were being carried over, right? So he said, you know, he says, he, he's acknowledging that fact, that there needs to be something new, right? Um, there needs to be a, a correction, a right way, and, a, and we have to understand what is right and proper in the things of the Spirit versus what we're bringing in from our past that is not right and proper. Does that make sense? So, so the, the, the same is, so, the, so the, the church in Corinth had this problem, but so do we, right? It's the same problem. It's not, it has not gone away because it's human nature. It's, it's our old past coming into the new. And so we've got we've to purify that thing. That's why it's really important that we understand Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says, do not be conformed to this age. I, I love how the NIV uh, uh, says it. He goes, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. There has to be a, a, a conforming or a renewing of our mind, the old way of thinking and now the new way of thinking. Because we're no longer, remember we've gone through this multiple times, our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're now ambassadors speaking on doing uh, things not on our own authority, in our own will, but now under Christ's authority, in his will, in his direction. He's the one that directs the things that we do, the things that we believe, the things that we say, right? He's the one, we're doing that as an ambassador on behalf of him. We do these things in Jesus' name, on behalf of Christ. And of course, empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit, anointed to do so by the Holy Spirit. In doing so, there needs to be a training of our, a retraining of our mind. Okay? We, everybody who has given an authority 
if you become an, a governmental ambassador, if you become a police officer, if you become military personnel where you do things that the common, normal, everyday person doesn't get to do or have the authority to do, you have to have the training in how to think about situations differently than the common person. Because you're not thinking on your own, the common person thinks on their own. The, the one who's an ambassador has to think about and have the mind of the one who is, is giving them the authority to do this thing. So the gifts of the Spirit are no different in that, that they're not under our control and our command. It's, it's something that is given to us, and I'll get into this a little bit more, and it's, it's not for us to determine and to use for our benefit because we don't have any authority in them. It's the authority that's only given through Christ. So we have to start thinking about things differently and say these gifts that I'm given are not mine. They're given uh, and not mine to use uh, that, that I've, I've somehow earned them or, you know, I've been trained up in them. It was, there's an authority behind them that is given to me. Okay, so I have to start thinking about the one who gave them to me. I have to have the thoughts of the one who gave them to me. So as God's anointed ambassadors who no longer represent ourselves, but him, and we do everything in Jesus' name, we must not be ignorant of how he behaves and what he thinks. We are to have the mind of Christ. So first, now Paul addressed this earlier to the church in Corinth in chapter 2. I'll just read this very quickly. It says, in chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. So God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Did you catch that? No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So that we, may, that we may understand what is freely given to us by God. So if God gives us something, it requires the Spirit for us to understand it because the, the Holy Spirit understands God's thoughts and how it's to be used and what it's for, okay? We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the, but the person who uh, is without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand, what is, uh, understand it since it's evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything. And yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For he who has known the Lord's mind, sorry, for he who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now that was a mouthful. <laughs> That's a mouthful of the scripture. But to boil it down very probably oversimplistically is God has thoughts. God has plans. God has intentions. God has a way of doing things. God has a will. 
And you and I cannot dictate to him or explain, or the rest of the world can say what it is, except by the Holy Spirit. The one who receives the Holy Spirit, the one who receives the Holy Spirit is given the insight into God's mind, at least parts of it, right? Aspects of it. And we gain that through Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who connects with the heart and the mind of God, and we have access to that. We have to have a new mind that connects to the mind of Christ. Our old mind is no longer sufficient. Our old way of thinking, the worldly way of thinking, no longer need apply to the things of God. That's why people outside in the world, when they see what's going on, they see these Christians and, and the way they think and the, how they do things, and they just like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why you think the way that you do. Of course, they'll never understand it because it's revealed by the Spirit only. They can't logically connect with it. We have people that can read the Bible from cover to cover, cover but unless the Holy Spirit reveal it to this person, it cannot be discerned. They'll never understand it is revealed by the spirit who can know the mind of god except the one who has the spirit it's important for us to have this renewal of our minds so when we talk about the spiritual gifts it's not just learning how the spiritual gifts work and what they are right we focus so much on that and their operation it's more about understanding the mind of Christ and what he's trying to achieve. What is his heart in a situation? We need to get with the mind of Christ. The more we understand the mind of Christ and we conform ourselves to how Jesus thinks and how Jesus does things, then the gifts are free to work in operation in their fullness. It's not about learning the gift as much as it is learning the giver. Does that make sense? So let's get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know this is a lot of, there's a a lot in this and and, and it might take some rewinding of the podcast and and listen to a couple of those things again because even even as I talk about these things, this is so rich and deep. Like I need this personally. I need this greater revelation of what the mind of Christ is and how this unlocks the 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 authority and the power that has been given to the body of Christ, that's been given to the church. But it's not about us just going out and doing our own thing in the name of Jesus. It's about knowing what he wants and what he desires. It's about, it's a, it's about saying, I'm going to question everything of my past. I'm going to question everything about how I think about things. And I'm going to allow God and the Holy, the Holy Spirit to come and reconfigure my mind to think like Christ in every circumstance and every situation. When I do that, the gifts, are, the gifts of the Spirit are going to move much, much more easily. Why? Because you're going to be tapping into what God wants to do and what he thinks about people and, and, and how he sees people. And you're going to be able to look into the need, the real heart of a person. And you're going to be able to judge deeply. In, the, in fact, he just said that the, the spiritual person can evaluate everything. It just said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
That means that we can be in front of other people, non-believers, and we can, we can see what's going on in their hearts. Why? Because we have some uh, uh, a power in ourselves or insight? No, it's because we have the mind of Christ and Christ can see into their hearts. And he reveals those things to us through the Spirit. Amen. See, it's his ministry, not ours. He's the one operating in it. And it takes the corporate expression of the church to come together unify on the mind of Christ, have the mind of Christ, and then move in the gifts, the parts and the purposes that each one individually has. And it operates. But the problem is, is we have this old thinking that needs to be renewed. And that's what Paul was talking about here where he says, where he said, you know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols right? There needs to be something new. He's, he's recognizing the past, but now he goes on. He goes on and he says in, in verse 3 of chapter 12, verse 3, he says, therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I've looked at this scripture many, many times. And I've, I've spoken of, the most that I've ever spoken specifically of this verse in the past was, wow, we, you know, we can't even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, right? And of course we would say, never say anything negative about Jesus uh, except by the Holy Spirit, or, or uh, when we are in the Holy Spirit. And that's true. But as I studied it again this time, I realized there's a whole lot, much more. This statement right here becomes the bedrock and the foundation of all of chapter 12, 13, and 14. It's embedded in there. And we have to understand this. Paul's making a statement in a way that you would make to a young child. So we have to think about it this way. So again, let me read it. Therefore, I say to you, no one speaking of the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And say, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? I mean, if you're in the Spirit, you wouldn't say curse Jesus, right? If you're, if you're not in the Spirit, you wouldn't say Jesus is Lord and make such a proclamation. So why did he make something? You know, it's, it's almost like an oversimplistic statement, and it's supposed to be. Right? It's, it's like he was speaking to a very, very young child. In fact, he told him, he says, I'm giving you the milk right now. I'm not giving you, I can't give you the meat because you're not ready for it. I'm giving you milk. This is a milk statement. This is a, someone who, who it's, it's almost like he's talking to a kindergartner and, and saying, a cow will never say oink, oink. Right? Because it's, no, animals, uh, an animal that says moo, no animals say moo except for a cow, <laughs> right? So he's basically saying this, he, he's making this like oversimplistic statement is the spirit only does certain things, right? And, and, and it doesn't do other things. So it does, it never detracts from Jesus. It only glorifies Jesus. The Spirit doesn't take away from Christ. It only magnifies Christ. That's what he's saying. 
So if the spirit sounds or looks in a way that is taking away from Christ, right? It, it's not the spirit. If, if it's something, if, if something is magnifying Christ and drawing attention to Christ, it's only the spirit can do that, right? So there, there's this, it's the sound of the spirit. If we think about it this way, if we, you know, like the, 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 the aroma, the sound, something of the senses, we, you know, is this something that is glorifying Jesus or is it drawing away from Jesus? And that's the kind of the litmus test to know is, is this of Christ or is it not? So Mark 9, 38 and 39 says, John said to him, teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. He's following us. Don't stop him, Jesus said, because there is no one who performs a miracle in my name who can soon afterwards speak evil of me. Right? Because if someone's moving to bless other people in the name of Christ and using the name of Christ, there's, it's, it's, it's an indication that the Spirit of God is operating within them right? It's an indication. John 16, 3, 14, 3 and 13 and 14 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own, but he speaks whatever he hears. He will also declare to you from, uh, to, to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. He's, Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit here, and he says, the Spirit will glorify me because he takes what is mine and he gives it to you, right? It's that authority. It's the, the Holy Spirit, it translates, if you will, the mind of Christ, the authority of Christ, the power of Christ, trans, translates that to us and gives it to us. So the Holy Spirit will never do anything contrary. Never do anything contrary to Jesus' thoughts, Jesus' mind, and it will only magnify him. Okay, so we continue on in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6. So back to our main text. There are different gifts but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. So let's break down these three, if we may. He says, gifts, ministries, and activities. Uh, other translations, most translations will say gifts. Some um, will say ministries or service. Um, so it might be using different words here. But let's break these down. There are different gifts, but the same spirit. The word gifts it comes from the Greek word charisma. Okay, that's where we get the word charismatic. People, that's a group of the church that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and put a lot of emphasis on those that we call them charismatics, right? But it's a universal term for all of the church. He gives gifts, charisma gifts. 
What I love about the definition, though, of charisma and how it's actually translated, it means literally a favor in which one receives without any merit of his own. Think about that for a second. The gifts of the Spirit. We say, we look at a person, we say, oh, that person is so gifted. They're so gifted. And like, man, I wish I was like them. They, look how much favor that they have that they're, they're so gifted, right? But the gift that they've received, according to charisma, is one that they receive without any merit of their own. It's the nature of the gift. Do you give gifts to your children because they've earned them? No, that's called payment. If they clean their room, I'll give you five. If you clean your room, I'll give you $5. The $5 is not a gift. It's payment. You do this and you get this. It's conditional. A gift is something that is simply given to us. Okay? So the, the, it, so the Spirit of God is one that works within every one of the gifts, and it's plural, right? Verse 5, it says, There are different ministries, but the same Lord. Ministries here, or service, is uh, diakonia, which means service of those who execute, execute the commands of others. The ministries or the services that we do in the, in the body of Christ, it, we execute them and do them on behalf of someone else. They're not for us. We're not in command of that. Remember, the anointed ones, the ones that are the ambassadors of Christ, we are doing things in his name by his authority. We don't do them in ourselves. We don't decide for ourselves. So the ministries that we perform, we're doing them and executing them because of other commands. He commands us to do these things. So it's not something that we decide, well, I'd like to do this for God, or I'd like to do that for God, mm -hmm. right? Now, the, innocently, that can be okay. That can be, I, I would just love to do this thing for God. We have to weigh, though, is that what God is calling us to do or not? Is that what he's commanding us to do or not? Or is it your own personal selfish desire? You know, I would love to spend 50% or more of my time in the mission field. I think that would be fantastic, traveling the world. I would love to do these things for God. Is that what he's calling me to do? No, not. He's not. He's calling me to do this. So, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I set aside my own personal ambitions for God, and I do what he, decide, he decides for me to do. So my service and the way I bring how I use my gifts in the way that I use my gifts, the method in which I use my gifts is my ministry, my service, and I do that according to what he commands, not what I desire. Do you see that? It's all the same Lord. And I love how they use the word Lord there. The Lordship, the ministry, our ministries is under the Lordship, the direction of Jesus. The gift is given to us, even though we didn't deserve it. The ministry and the way that we use those gifts is under the direction and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the third thing he says is the activities. Enigma, 
if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is the Greek word, and it means an effect or a working. It's the working of the ministries. It's the working of the gifts. It's the effect that it has, the effect that it has on that. All of those, the, the, uh, the activities, God works in, uh, God works all of them in each person. The effect that the ministry and the gifts have on us and on those who we minister to, God is at work in them in each person. All of these are under the direction of the Spirit. All of these are coordinated by the Spirit. All of these are worked through each of us by God. And all of them will glorify Jesus. These are really important concepts that we need to understand when we think about the gifts of the Spirit. We get like just, hey, I just want to lay my hands on the sick and have them recover. Oh, I just really want to speak in tongues. Oh, I just really want to have the gift of prophecy. I'm asking why. What's your motivation? Why do you want these gifts? Why do you want to use them? Why do you want to see them in operation? And it's the motive, that motivation is, it has to be, it can be selfish or it can be selfless. Most of us approach the gifts of the Holy Spirit from a selfish perspective because we want to be able to do these things. Right? Like we want a PlayStation for Christmas. Why? Because I want to enjoy this gift. But God doesn't give, give gifts from that perspective, not these gifts. Because he goes on here in, in verse 7, and he says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the common good. Meaning it's not about us. Right? The gifts actually aren't for us. Therefore, the common good of the body of Christ. Yes. And when it's for the common good of the body of Christ, there's no room for self in there. Mm -hmm. There's no room for selfishness, self-glorification. Because I'll tell you this about the gifts of the Spirit. And we've got to, we have got to break this mentality. If someone moves, even moves powerfully in, the, in a or multiple gifts of the Holy Spirit, it is not an indication of them being mature in God. Right. That's true. There is absolutely no indication that they are mature in God, even though they move in the Holy Spirit and have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it goes back to the original explanation or definition of what a gift is. And the gift is what? It's something that is given to someone even though they didn't deserve it without any individual merit. The service, uh, sorry, I'm looking for the, there it is, a favor. I, I was looking for my, my definition. A favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. There's absolutely no room for us to think, 
Oh, I've arrived because I laid my hands on the sick and they got, they got well. Oh, I've look how spiritual I am because I speak in tongues. Oh, I had a prophetic word or word of knowledge for somebody and um, look how spiritual I am. You didn't do anything that deserved that gift. And the Holy Spirit is simply manifesting himself in you for that opportunity because he wants to accomplish something. And he so happened to choose you, but that doesn't mean it's because you're so right with him. No, if we want to measure our maturity in, in the Lord and the maturity in the spirit, don't measure yourself up against the gifts of the spirit. Measure yourself up against the fruits of the spirit. Amen. The fruits of the spirit are a measure of maturity. Because they're not something that's given. They're something that's grown. And that's very different. And if I can say it, earned by God's grace. Earned from the sense that we need to work them out. We need to work our salvation out with fear and trembling, as the Bible says. That we need to repent. We need to surrender. We need to die to ourselves. We need to shed off the old past. And I don't care what you say. It is work to do that. Now, it's work in God's grace, and he helps us, and it's by his spirit and his conviction. But we have got to be willing to let the process take place, and it's not always easy. It's work not giving up that process or aborting the process. It takes work for that. If you want to know what your spiritual maturity is, look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit with honest eyes, and that will tell you if you're mature or not. And if you're still not sure, just go ask your brothers and sisters in Christ, and they will tell you. They will tell you with honest eyes. That's why we need one another. Iron sharpens iron. The body heals itself. The body grows together. Amen. It's an abnormality to have one part of your body grow faster or bigger than the other. They all grow proportionately and for its proper function. So it is with the things of God and so it is with the things of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are merely the tools in which we use for Jesus to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. That's why it's so important for us to have the mind of Christ. And he does these things for the common good because he wants the whole body to be healthy. He wants the whole body to be ministered to. He wants the whole body to receive glorification, edification, right? Come on, you know how it is. When, when, when a part of the body is receiving ministry, let's say we're all coming together and there's a, a, a prophetic word for someone or someone gets laid, you know, that we lay their hands on somebody and they, they receive healing. All of the body, if we care about one another, we rejoice in that. And we're, we walk away from that meeting saying, oh, wow, God was moving among us and how wonderful it was that so-and-so got delivered and so-and-so got healed. And, 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 and I love that this person just had this revelation in Christ. It edifies us. And it, none of that actually may have happened to you personally in the meeting, but you are edified and built up because of it. And our bodies, our physical bodies are no different. You know, you know why that is? Come on, lay yourself down on a massage table and have someone massage your shoulders and back. Your entire body feels it. Your entire built body is relaxed and built up and refreshed by a, sh a shoulder massage or a back massage, right? Might not touch your feet or touch your legs or anything else, but all of the body receives that. If the, you feel 
You know, you have a nice oil or an ointment that you maybe put on your hands, you know, if you have dry hands, you know, and, and they, there's that fragrance of it. What well, the whole body begins to relax, right? Oh, I got these, my feet have been working so hard today and, and I might take some oil and put some oil on my feet, right? The whole body receives from that. That's how it is. Everything that God does in the body is for its, the common good. All of the gifts that he gives is to build everyone up. There's no room for the individual here. There's only room for all of the individuals working collectively for the common good. But see, it's so hard to do that only the Holy Spirit can do it. It's so hard to do to get to build the unity of the body of Christ where all of us get built up. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Amen. That brings this growth and maturity and edification mutually. When we try to do it in ourselves, there might be some benefit. It might be, oh yeah, that was good. It wasn't bad. But when the Spirit is moving among us, and he's coordinating all of the efforts. And we're all uh, tapped into that. And we're all investing in our portion, our part, under his direction, the direction of the Holy Spirit. Man, everybody knows it. Everybody feels it. Everybody grows. Everybody is edified. And most of all, Jesus is glorified. Powerfully glorified that's why he prayed and his last words before he went he was gonna go to goes to gethsemane and he was uh betrayed and goes to the cross his last words father make them one make them one as you and i are one unify them the coordination of the gifts of the holy spirit are vital to the ministry of jesus to the church and to this world this is what we've got to get. When we get this, when we get this concept, the gifts, I believe, the Holy Spirit are going to move more powerfully, more accurately, and the church is going to be far more effective. Amen. So we'll finish up with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 through 10 says, To one is given a message of wisdom, Again, I told you I wasn't going to go through, the, through all the, the explanations of this. One is given a, a, a message of wisdom through the Spirit. Another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One, in verse 11, one, and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. He's the one in direction. He's the one in charge. He's the one that takes all of these different gifts and causes them to work together in concert with one another. It's not about one person having a gift or one person having that, that gift and, and, we, and, and, and we, we begin to compete 
on which one gets more priority. No, we just allow the Holy Spirit to move. We can have meetings where none of those things happen. We can have meetings with, with, with no discernible uh, gifts in operation of these nine gifts. But it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not moving and actively among us. Right? And then there's times that we have um, pow- you know, these what we call powerful meetings where there's healings and there's deliverances and there's all these boom, 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 all these things, right? And we say, oh, God was really at that meeting. Was he any more, any less active and a part of us where those things didn't happen? Now, now I'll say that, I have to be careful because sometimes they don't happen because of our unbelief or we're not right with God and we, we quench the Holy Spirit and the meeting is, is that way. But God is, my, the point I'm making is, when we're right with him and we're coming and we have his mind, whether there's a lot of healings and a lot of words of wisdom or not is up to him, not up to us. But so our goal is not to have a lot of gifts in operation happening all the time. What I call the whiz bang type, you know, those are the, those are the, those are the real active ones and they're the, you know, they're those fun ones. He'll do them when he wants to through people who are submitted to him and have his mind and are being being submitted to the holy spirit so there are going to be meetings if we're all submitted to the holy spirit there are going to be meetings that are going to be kind of quiet because he's not he's he's not going to be doing all those things because he's wanting to teach us or wanting to have quiet before him to do something that we have to consider and ponder and there's going to be other times where there's going to be healings there's deliverances and prophetic words and everything else because he wanted to do something very different in those meetings, but it's up to him. It's not up to us. What is up to us is having the mind of Christ and being submitted to the spirit that he can do whatever he wants. And that when he wants to do something, we're people that say, yes, God, I'm here. I know you've gifted me in this area. I sense that you wanna move in that and I'm going to step out and I'm going to move in that gift under your authority. I hope I'm coming across in a way that you're capturing this. It's about having the mind of Christ. It's it's less about having the gifts. It's about having and being submitted to the Spirit in awareness and having an awareness of the brothers and sisters around us and their gifts and abilities and making sure that we collectively are submitted to him. That's really what it's about. That's where our, 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 that should be our aim and our goal. Not for the gifts of the Spirit to move, but to be submitted to the Spirit and have Jesus' mind. And when we do, and, and, and collectively coming together with the mind of Christ, when that happens... Wow, God is going to have his way. And we are going to see way more of the gifts of the Spirit moving. I believe when we come in that. If we're coming into our meetings with doubt and worldliness and uh, I'm just, I'm here, but I'm barely here, right? I might be here physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I'm somewhere else or I'm beat up and, you know, Right? We can all relate to one or more of those things. 
It's not that God can't move, but it's but there's um, there's there's a higher probability. I'll say. <laughs> When we're coming in saying, you know what, I'm casting all of that off. I'm casting all of those things off. I'm casting off my insecurities. I'm casting off the, the trouble that I've had, the, the mistakes that I've made. I'm putting them under the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to, I'm submitting myself and saying, God, I'm here for a reason. And I'm here for you to glorify yourself in the body of Christ among my brothers and sisters. And I'm here for that purpose and that purpose alone. And we collectively come, each and every one of us, with that mindset, that perspective. I am telling you, we are going to see the power of God move among us in that meeting. Hallelujah. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the worship leader. It's not about like, you know, everybody sits down and say, hey, what do you got for us today, Mike? (laughs) It's not about that. It's about the collective. If we come with an expectation and a submission to the Holy Spirit and and, and just allowing him to conform our minds that we can discern what is the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. And we do this as as a corporate group, as a body. You're functioning as a, a healthy, physical body all knowing its functions, all knowing its parts, all knowing its abilities, full of energy and health and vitality, what can be accomplished for the kingdom of God in those moments? What can be accomplished? What can't can't be is the better word. 100%. I... I am less interested in pursuing the gifts of the Spirit than I am about pursuing an absolute submission to Jesus. You can pursue the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit and not be right with Jesus. But I believe when you're right with Jesus, the, 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 the spirit and all of his ministries and the gifts yep. will operate powerfully within you if you're, op- if you're open to them, if you're willing to step out in them. Yeah. It's more about the mind of Christ and the submission of Christ than it is about the gifts of the spirit. But when we have those things, the gifts of the spirit will move powerfully among us. We got to start chasing the giver and stop chasing the gift. The more you appreciate the giver, the more you're going to appreciate the gift. And I fear the church appreciates the gifts more than the giver. And that's like a selfish child on Christmas morning who tears things open, runs off and plays with the thing and has absolutely no gratitude for them and gratitude for the one who gave them. We need the mind of Christ. We need the unity of the saints, the communion of the saints to so badly desire 
the full functionality of the fullness of Christ manifested and displayed in each one of us, the individuals, in concert, in coordination, so that he would be glorified and that his kingdom would expand. If there is anything beyond that being our motivation, we need to check our heart. Beyond that motivation, I think we're moving in selfishness. Our, our walk with Jesus is selfish. We need to become selfless. And the secret of it all, I, I, and I say that, I, work, I use that word intentionally, the secret that the enemy has been keeping from us, which is in plain sight in the scriptures, is the unity of the Spirit in the body of Christ, submitting one to another and saying, I'm not satisfied with having a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm satisfied with having a corporate relationship with Jesus. I want to share it with you because my relationship with Jesus depends on you, on you. I will go further. I will do more with you. You will go further and do more with me because that's way, the way that God designed his body. Amen, that's that's why he designed the church. We have got to get this. And the enemy has robbed the body of Christ. We might talk about it. Oh, we're all the body. We don't go to church. We are the church. You know, we, we, you know, we, we use that terminology, but we don't act any different. We need to dig into this and get a hold of this because I feel like we're only scratching the surface, but I believe that this is a foundational key that God is revealing to, to us right now. And he says, Church of Jesus, get this. Get this. When we do, watch what happens. If we don't get it, it's not that we're going to lose our salvation. But the house that we built, it will be tested by fire. And it, it will be consumed. And there's going to be, we're going to suffer great loss, I believe. But that's not his best for us. He's wanting to build us with gold, silver, and precious stones, not wood, hay, and stubble. He wants us to build with substance, not with superficial material. And that's found, that's found in the unity of the saints. Jointly bound by the Spirit, all collectively sharing the mind of Christ. That's his call for us. Lord, give us a deeper revelation. Forgive us for being so focused on on the gifts that we have forsaken the giver 
Help us, Lord, to know what it means that one will chase a thousand, but two, ten thousand. That a three-chord strand is not easily broken. Help us to see, Lord, that the body of Christ is not just a sum of its parts, but that we are fashioned and knit together, placed as you have seen fit to accomplish what none of us could do on our own. I pray, dear Jesus, that you would make us one as you and the Father are one. Help us to see ourselves and one another as you see us. That we are holy, that we are set apart, that we are called, that we are anointed to do mighty exploits for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom. Forgive us, Lord, for being selfish. Forgive us, Lord, for not considering our brothers and sisters. Forgive us, Lord, for not all rising to that place of ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and sitting back and letting others do the work for us. Help us all to invest. Help us all to, to, um, to strive not in our own strength, but strive in, in, in your power to move forward and saying, I'm not going to be a, a one sitting on the sidelines. No, I'm going to join up, link arm to arm with my brothers and sisters, and we are going to be a people who will not be easily moved. And we're going to accomplish things in the kingdom of God that on the outside would look impossible. But we're going to walk in the reality of doing the impossible, achieving what is a great multitude, a multiplication of what we could ever do by ourselves or by our size. I thank you, Lord, for continuing to have patience with us. But we also know that time is running out. So help us to get this, Lord. Help us to know what it means on a practical, every day, every meeting, interaction that we have with one another as we see ourselves and how we commit our, how we invest our lives and our time. Help us to understand what it means to be your anointed to be a part of the anointed ones, God's anointed ones set apart for a special purpose with special power, with special authority, with special abilities. All with the goal of glorifying the one who gives them and expanding his purposes and his kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.